Good morning, Chair City Church. How you doing today? <laughs> Thank you. Love your enthusiasm. We are an enthusiastic church. We're glad to be here, right? We look forward to coming together on a Sunday morning. We're not here because we have to be. We're here because we want to be, because God does great things amongst ourselves, and because we are better together, yes? Now, I want to... So, uh, Friday, Christy and I, our family, we went up to Bangor, Maine, to see my brother and his family. And, uh, you know, going up, it's about a four-and-a-half-hour drive, and we, my family travels well. It's, it's pretty cool, you know. We make some fun of it going up there, you know, some iced coffee and, you know, donut here or there. And we, we, we make it a fun trip. But coming back, I just want to get home, you know. I, I mean, I got a lot of stuff to do. The tasks are piling up. Got to preach on Sunday mornings. So I just want to get back. And, uh, and Christy can see right away I've got this paranoia about traffic, Right. Like, you know when you get back when you're like, you're counting the minutes and you look back another six minutes, oh, how many miles, however you can chop it down and just get back, you are doing it. At least I am, good old restless Dave. So I get this paranoia about traffic. Every time I see somebody slow down, I'm like, oh no, here we go, here we go. And I'm worried we're going to get, we're catch the southern main traffic around the beaches or 495 into New Hampshire. And once you get that, you're done. And I'm just not in the place where I want to sit in traffic. I mean, I never am, but really not now. And so, you know... Chris is like, well, I don't think it's too bad. I think people are just slowing down. Or, and so now we, uh, we get to the toll. I think it's a toll, you know, one of the, you know, maybe, I don't know, as you're coming up towards southern Maine and we come up to a toll and all of a sudden I see some cars, like two rows of cars, like five deep, and I'm like, oh, no. And I stop and I'm sitting there. And after a very, very long 10 seconds, <laughs> I notice the cars are not moving. So after I start to think some uncomplimentary things about the person working the toes, you know, I mean, like, is it that hard? And God have mercy on me. And now I'm, I'm going on to just, I'm just getting not well, right? Like, you know, like, you know, so then maybe it's the guy, you don't know how to count change, he's not ready. And then I just, it hits me like, you know, wow, just, what am I doing? I'm like, God, just, God, give me strength. It's been a great weekend. It's been a phenomenal summer. God, please, have mercy, give me strength, help me to just, however I got in this place on, you know, coming back home, just get me out of here, just do something, just help me. Clearly, I am just incompetent right now. <laughs> and so I pause, cars start to move, we get up to the toll, you know, it didn't, like, they didn't move right away, like I had to wait like another minute or two, and I'm just trying not to think bad about every human being around me within like about 50 feet. And the cars move, I get to pay the toll, and the lady says, oh no, you're set. The person in front of you paid for you, you're good. <laughs> and I look at Christy, <laughs> and I look at Christy, I'm like, do you know them? She's like, no, I, I don't know them. You know? And we drive, we actually eventually caught up to them and we didn't know them. So it's like, wow, you know, God answers my prayer, right? And then I got texts coming in, Friday and Saturday. Pastor, pray, pray for my mom. She, she hasn't been very responsive. She's not breathing well. She's been in the hospital for, for like 10 days now. Coma-like symptoms. Pastor, my, my baby is starting to eat a little bit. The chemotherapy has just it's been really rough, but thank, you know, he's eating, and he just keeps us in prayer. Uh, Pastor, we're, we, you know, we, we want to work on our marriage. We want it to be better. It's just it's been hard, and, and, and could, you, you know, could you pray for us? We want help, and... And on, and I, that's, just, that's just like, actually, that was a day. That was just that day. 
And it's like, okay, so why, why did God answer my great need of, <laughs> of calming down in the middle of a wonderful day, but then he's not answering these prayers? And the, not just my prayers for these people, but their prayers for themselves and their own situations. You know, you're in a season where it's like, you know, you're talking to God, you're pleading with God, you might be negotiating with God. You know, I just, I just, it's hard. I mean, can you do something? Can you help me? Uh, you know, you're crying out to God and, and, you know, God, I'm, I just don't know if I could keep going. And God, it's just, I'm so lonely. It's just, it's hard, God. I, I can't, it's hard being single. It's hard being a Christian and being single. Can you, you know, I'm not even asking you for a wife. Can you just get me a date, God, right? Like that'll work. I mean, if God is there, if he loves us, surely he's going to answer our prayers, right? Child walks away from the faith. Child is struggling with addictions, with, with just a messed up life. Spouse is signaling already has left you, and, 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 and it's looking more like, are they coming back, right? Where is God? Why is this happening to us? It feels like God doesn't care, like God's not there. And, and why is he not seemingly answered? Why is he not helping the situation? And all, this, all of this you might be thinking, God doesn't make sense, right? And that's the name of this current series we're doing. We just picked this time at this season in our church. Everything's actually going phenomenally well, like just really like extra, extraordinarily well. And we kind of just wandered there in the middle of a kind of an attractional series at the movies. It was the last one we did, Standing Strong, When Things Go Wrong. We went to Skyscraper. And just from there, we decided to stay on this theme of, of in the middle of really of much difficulty and pain or suffering, uncertainty, that in the midst of that, how should we, how can we know God, approach God, and experience God, and grow in our relationship with God? So in the Bible, we read of men and women who love God and yet went through incredible tough times in their life. Last week, we talked about John the Baptist. Today, we're going to talk about someone who was first known as Saul. The guy Saul, when he was known as Saul, was a brutal man, person, cruel, would persecute. Really, kind of his life calling became persecuting Christians and his falsehood that he believed they were perpetrating. He did this in the name of God and religion. He would drag men and women out of their homes, beat them, and have them imprisoned. One day, Saul has an encounter with a resurrected Jesus, huh? Changes his life, changes his name from Saul to Paul, who you know as the Apostle Paul, Saint Paul. Paul then dedicates the next few, few years of his life to learning about Jesus, gaining knowledge of him, giving his life to him, to Jesus. And then he takes the gospel of Jesus Christ, the truth of Jesus, who he was and what he did for us, and he brings it outside of Judea. Judea is where the Jews were, and, and this was a truth that they had. But now Paul, being used and called by God, brings the gospel of Jesus to the world, the then known world. This is a guy who, and in the course of that, over 20 years he does this. Gives us like 20 years he gives to doing this. Not two weeks, not 20 years. And in the course of that 20 years, he's shipwrecked. He's bitten by snakes. He, he's, uh, he's beaten. He's flogged. He's, he's stoned. And, and nowadays, parenthetically, I probably should say not recreationally. 
to harsh times, right? And all of this, he does nothing but serve. He serves God faithfully. He's, as we say, all in, right? Now, at some point in Paul's journey of what I just described, we're introduced, Paul introduces us. He introduced that he's, that something's happening to him, in him, within his life. It's a difficulty. It's painful. It, it, it's a hindrance to him. It's what is known, or we might call an affliction, right? And it's one that is continuing in his life. Well, Paul's response to this painful difficulty, something that's hindering him in living out his life, Paul's response is what our response should be, and, and, and often is, I like to think, is that he turned to God. He, he turns to God for help. He cries out to God for relief, for change, for the removal of this problem. And God's response to Paul is no. No and no. And I'm just like, I'm, I'm staggered by the amens here, right? I mean, I'm just like, I'm blown away. But that, now, or as I would say, when I try and smooth over some of the lumps <laughs> that we read in Scripture, is like, well, it, it, maybe it was, it, 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 was a, it was a not yes, you know, like, so it, it wasn't the yes Paul wanted to hear, you know? Maybe God was saying yes, but not what Paul was wanting to hear or the yes that we want to hear. But really, plain as it was no. Yeah, Paul, I hear you. Now, and, but no matter how much faith you have, no matter how much how obedient you've been, no matter how long you've prayed, the answer to your prayer, what you're asking, Paul, yes, I love you. I care deeply for you. Uh, Paul, I am going to do incredible things in your life. When your life is finished, it could be said that no one person has affected and changed the world as you have, Paul. Hundreds, not billions of people, people's lives are going to be changed positively because of you, Paul. And, and my answer, Paul, is it's no. No. Not now. It's no. I'm not going to remove the pain and the difficulty that is upon you. Now, some of you think because your prayers, like Paul's prayers, are not answered, because they, that pain and difficulty in your life and relationship, physical, circumstantial, that, that God is not listening, that God might not be present, that there's something wrong between you and God, perhaps you're thinking. Listen, we have permission to ask God to help us. We should do that. It's faith. The Bible instructs us to do this. And yet God has permission to say no, or as I say, not give us the yes that we're looking for. You need to know about Paul, that this is the person that God used to write two-thirds of what we know is the New Testament. Most selling book every year, year after year in the United States. So Paul is the number one author year after year after year after year in the world. If you were to say it from a worldly perspective. Because God inspired Paul to write these words. But the Bible is read and purchased more than any other book in the world every single year. And he's hearing the same response that you might hear. 
He's hearing the same answer from God to his prayer that you might be hearing or could hear in your prayers. Now, no is not the entirety of God's response to Paul, to Paul's request to remove this affliction from his life. You see, God also gives Paul a promise, kind of like what I said, it's not, a, it's not just no, it's just not the yes you want to hear. And this is a promise that I wholeheartedly believe exists today for me and for you. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 5 through 7, Paul writes, I, I will boast about a man like that, but I will not boast about myself, except about my weaknesses. Even if I should choose to boast, I would not be a fool because I'd be speaking the truth. But I refrain from doing so, so that no one will think more of me than is warranted by what I do or say, or because of these surpassingly great revelations. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, proud about myself, relying on myself, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Stop there. So Paul is talking here, this thorn in his flesh, this, this significant irritation, difficulty, and he talks about it coming from a messenger of Satan. We don't know if that's a literal tool, literally or figuratively, figuratively. We're not sure. We don't know what the thorn is. Bible scholars, theologians have kind of wrestled with this and tossed it around. Most scholars, most people who've studied the Bible believe it was a physical ailment, maybe epilepsy, maybe a, a, a problem with Paul's eyesight, maybe a kind of something to do with malaria, maybe a speech impediment. I can certainly relate to that. Some of you have a thorn in your life. It's, it's a challenge. It could be a physical one. It could be, could be something that's kind of hung on you from your past. It could be a particular relationship, a health issue. You have prayed. You have cried out to God. You did all you could coming from a place of depression or anxiety just to get to God, to talk to Him. And yet, you still, it's still there. The circumstances haven't changed. God is not changing it. Hear me out. Oh, hear this, please. Prayer is not getting our way. It's surrendering our will. It's saying, okay, God, it's not happening, but I am still with you. My faith is in you, right? I'm not just tolerating you, God. I'm not just staying in this game and kind of out of obligation, you know? And, and I mean, I'm not going to, I'm still going to, I'm not going to stop believing in you, right? But man, I'm not really impressed with you right now. I'm just kind of, I'm hanging in there, and I'm just, you know, and I'm, every now and then I throw another dart at the board, and hopefully I hit bullseyes with you. But in the meantime, I'm just kind of meandering through this Christian thing, right? And that's a, like a striving. You, 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 that's, a, that's not a surrendering, my friends. You want to go in there surrendered to God's will. I mean, oh, Paul, and, and, and I get, listen, I'm, I'm not saying you're wrong for where you're coming from in wanting God to do something. I'm just saying, you know, there's wrong, there's right, and there's most excellent. And what is most excellent for sovereign God is for us to surrender to his will. Our creator, our heavenly father, that we'd surrender him. I mean, look, all Paul is asking from God is to do what he has seen God do to others. Matter of fact, what he's asking God to do what he, is, what he has done through Paul for others and to heal them. And these per people weren't even as dedicated to God as Paul was. God, I'm asking you to do what I've seen you do for others, what I've heard you do for others. 
Prayer is not getting God to do what we want. It's getting us to surrender to our Heavenly Father, to the will of God in our life. It's what Jesus said to us in the Lord's Prayer in Matthew. Father, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is how we should approach God in prayer. This is the way we should speak to God. It's what Jesus did. We said last week in the Garden of Gethsemane, Father, as he's approaching his just anticipating this brutal time of suffering and pain that's unimaginable to us, not only physically, but emotionally. Father, take this from me. Take it away, but not my will, but your will be done. Prayer is trusting God in the middle of the situation. Yes, it's requesting from God. It's asking God. It's interceding to God for change. But it is first and foremost trusting God in the midst of the difficult situation. Because he is God. Why? Because he is God. Because he is holy, 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 thrice holy. More than anything else, he is holy. His anger is holy. His love is holy. His timing is holy. And he is our heavenly father who loves us. Paul writes in verse 8, chapter 12, he says three times, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. He said, I I mean, I pleaded, I begged God. And when he says three times, it's not like, you know, hey, you know, yeah, you know, over the last, you know, over the last, you know, few months, you know, one time when I was on my way to meet Silas, you know, I stopped and tossed out a prayer to God, man, this is just really difficult. Could you, God, help me here? Well, God, can you make this better? And, oh, I see somebody over there needs some help. Let me go help them. And, hey, you know, God, you know, check that out. God, help me out. Or, you know, he's waiting in line for lunch, you know, cleaning the camel or whatever. And, hey, God, you know, just, man, it, it just, can you take this from me? Can you help me with this? He's not talking about these like intermittent time here. And there. He's talking, what Paul says three times, he's talking about three seasons of prayer. Three seasons, whether it be maybe, you know, weeks or months when things were really difficult. Perhaps they rose up or perhaps he became weary. And in these times of these seasons, he's pleading continually before God, take this from me. Remove this from me pleading, going back and back to God, interceding, talking to God over and over about this problem, this, what's plaguing him, this affliction. Prayer reminds us that we are not in control, and it keeps us close to God who is in control. And that's what we want to get out of this, that God is in control, right? He doesn't sleep. He doesn't slumber. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Our circumstances do not rule us, but it is God who rules our life. God is in control. And yet prayer, when we go, for, go before God, we want to kind of go through that kind of, if you will, curtain that tells us, okay, I'm going before God. I leave control out here. I'm going into the presence of God now to talk to him, and, and he is in control. Before I say any word, before I do anything, God is in control. I'm surrendering myself to God. And what Paul is saying, hey, this is what this thorn did for me. That's what Paul is telling us. Have you pleaded with God? I have. There are times when I have just pleaded with God. And I've gotten different answers. Last week I talked about one time where I, I over time, and you know what, and actually it didn't change it. Last week what I went and spoke to you about was it, it, it actually got worse. It eventually did get better. But it got worser and worser and worser. 
before it got better. And sometimes some things, and of course, I'm sitting here like with my son knowing, hey, this might not ever get better. And there were times I had to just try and digest that truth, and it was very difficult. I don't, couldn't even tell you if it ever really sunk in that this is the way it's going to be. And yes, you find yourself bargaining with God as I did, right? God, if you do this, I'll do that. God, I'll stop doing this if you'll do that. And, you know, the challenge that is you've not surrendered, you know? And like any relationship, it doesn't last long, right? You know? You know that. We fool ourselves. We kind of fool on God. We're in the moment. We say, and what's missing is the surrender. Us truly being surrendered to God because he's God. One of the reasons you want to be in this place of surrender when you're going into prayer, and yet you want to pray. You, you, no matter what, you want to pray to God. And remember, you, I keep saying you want to ask God for help, but you're coming from a place of surrender. And the reason is, is because when you do turn to God and you do ask him or plead with him and call out to him to change things, and he very well could because he can, is that if the answer is no, you're going to hear it. You're going to hear the no, the not right now, not in this season. And, and we need to be able to hear that. And the only way we can do that is if we are just surrendered to God's will. We're ready. Before God says anything, we're like, okay, yes, I'm ready to hear that. Look at Paul. Someone, Paul, someone God loves so much, you so much, to accomplish his purpose, and God says no to Paul. Well, it wasn't, no is not the entirety, as I've been alluding to. It's not the entire answer God gave to Paul. When we have these challenges in our life, right? And we're, and we're coming before God, and, and, and it, I don't know, maybe, maybe this just happens to me a lot, and we, we begin to try and, you know, even brush ourselves up in our thoughts before we go to talk to him. Like, oh, let me not think about that. And, you know, we're having a good day. We're intentionally having a good day. We're really watching what we do and, you know, feeling better now about going before God. And we're really missing the whole thing, you know? He just wants us to come before him, loving him, wanting to know more of him, believing he's with us, and surrender to him. And, and, and when we do, we're going to hear him, and we're going to hear what he has to say. God spoke to Paul. He told him no, but he told him something else. And Paul got to hear that. God's answer to Paul, when Paul's pleading about an unanswered prayer, meaning, hey, I've talked to you about this before, and I'm still talking to you about this. God's answer to you and I, when we might be in the midst of tossing out and going before God with these unanswered prayers, when we're not getting the answers that we hope for, or feel we should get, God's answer to Paul and to us is this. Hear me out. Paul says to God, while I begged, I pleaded three times, please take it away. And Paul and God's response to Paul and God's response to us is in verse 9. But he, God, said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. You see, Paul, I'm not going to give what you're asking for. Angel, I'm not going to give you what you're asking for. Christy, just not right now. Melinda, Lloyd, Danielle, Andrea, Loretta. Just tossing up people. I, I, could go, I could just keep going on 
and on as I look at people and know what they're going through or people they love are going through. I just, I just go one by one by one by one by one. And God's saying, you know, right now in this season, he could be saying, he might be saying, I'm not going to give you what you're asking for, but my grace is sufficient for you. <laughs> right? Yeah, my grace is sufficient for you. You're my child. I created you. I love you. I love you no less than I love Paul. And I love Paul. Called him. And I love you as much. And my grace was sufficient for Paul. And my grace is sufficient to you. You might have to go through another season. You might not. But right now, my grace is sufficient for you. you I want you to know that. Right now, for my plan and my purpose in your life, my grace is sufficient for you. The word grace here, what, what I believe it's alluding to, is grace to, to help you take one more step. Grace to keep you going. Grace is the ability to get up in the morning when you don't think you can do it and take on another day grace, right? Grace is the ability to go to work when you just don't want to go there. You can feel the, just the weight of, oh my, I, I just can't do it, and going. And, and then dealing with what you believe and know to be the most difficult person in the world, right? Grace is the ability to keep going despite nothing around you is getting better. And yet in the midst of that, grace is finding the energy and the strength to keep on going, to keep pressing on, to keep looking and finding hope and faith in Jesus, to keep growing closer to God and calling out to God and talking to God and, and in an and expectant way, in a hopeful way, in a faithful way, and in a way and a place from surrender. And I assure you, it is from that place of surrender that you will gain the most comfort and you will see his hand. As I say, where is God's hand? That's what I want to know. When pain comes, suffering, whatever is going on, okay, pause. Dave, before you get going with your crazy brain of yours, before you get going and try and, try and hijack this, this thing from, your, from you know, the way you've been conditioned from your past, you know, you're a hyper-vigilance, man. I got this. No one's going to hurt me. I'm going to take control. I'm on this. Before you go there, pause. Surrender yourself to God. Trust in God. See this through that lens. And that begins with, where is God's hand in this situation? I'm coming here to know God, to see what God is doing. He is not absent. He is present. So God says to Paul, keep pressing on. Keep moving on. He Finish the race, which Paul eventually does. He's saying, my grace is all you need. It's sufficient. It's adequate. Right now, it's more than enough for you. Look what God says to Paul as we read the rest of verse 9. It says, but I, he said to me, for my power is made perfect in weakness. My power is made perfect in weakness. God's power is perfect, and it, meaning it comes to fullness in us as we surrender to him. It comes to fruition in our lives as we surrender to him. That, that grace, as we take on that grace, none of us would sign up for this. You know, it's not how we would write the story for us or for our children, for the ones we love. We, we really do prefer to see it played out in other people's lives, right? It, it's just better that way. And yet, it's in all, and here's the, here's the thing. 
I'm going I'm to tell you this with all that I am, to the, to the core of who I am, meaning I'm, I'm just so sincere about this. And here's the truth. It is our weaknesses and our weakness that takes us to places we never would have gone and enables us and brings us to do things we never would have done through our weakness all the time. God works through his grace being poured out in our life, him being glorified, that we, through our weakness, wind up doing things, we going to places we never thought we'd be and doing things we never thought we could have done. This is the testimony of Christendom, of Christianity. These are the great stories, right? I know we want to be up there just, you know, thanking God, you know, you know, that he did a great thing in our life from our strength, right? Like we did something great, we did something awesome, you know, to our, you know, skill and ability, you know, my singing Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound, and, 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 and getting the award, and, and like, yeah, from my strength, right? And we, we, we want to thank God, and we want to praise God, we want to God be there from our strength. But not from our weaknesses, right? And don't get me wrong, it is good to get credit for our success and our accomplishments uh, when we serve God and do great things. And it is good to thank God. I, I like that. I'm cool with that. I affirm that. I'm just saying there's something about when God does it through our weakness that is extraordinary, right? That is unforgettable. That is just, just gets your attention, huh? Like, you know, when you, when you hear about someone going through such an incredible thing, like those people, you're like, whoa, it better be them than me. But then when they navigate it, when they overcome it, and when God glorifies himself through that situation, even if it didn't change, but they didn't, and you're like, wow, that moves you, right? That gets your attention. That impresses you. That's inspiring. No matter who's clapping or not clapping. You're like, and, and often those people somehow through that, there was a character that was developed and a consistency, and you just seem cool being around them, right? Like there's something to them, man. They've got some skin in the game. There's some depth to them. Well, they have gone through this process. They have seen, observed, and experienced God being strong in their weakness, through their weakness. God leveraged their weakness to do great things in their life and to see his purpose fulfilled. Do you get that? Listen, sometimes God is going to leverage your strength, and sometimes he's going to leverage your weakness, meaning your inability, your lack of opportunity, what you perceive to be a failure in your life. Some people have told you that's a failure, and God is going to leverage that. And how? Well, Paul tells us in verse 9 how. But he said to me, he, God, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. Oh, please hear that. Oh, please let that sink in this morning. And yet we often be like, man, I, I hope that doesn't come my way. Or, or you know, I, I could never have deal with that. I, I don't know how they deal. I would never deal with that. I don't know how I would deal with that. Listen, God will show you his strength. If we learn to just take the no for an answer, <laughs> if when we hear that no, if we're hearing that no, we don't begin to just now turn away instead of turning to. We don't begin to try and really map out how we can do this. It might seem okay. It might seem arable. It might seem not, this is reasonable. And yet, we're, have we surrendered to God? Have we come to a place where, listen, whatever happens, I am surrendered to God. I will find joy with my God. I will find peace with my God. I, will, I am surrendering my mind, my heart, my soul, my spirit. 
I am just totally surrendered to the one true God right now. Whatever the answer, whatever the outcome, he is God, he loves me, he is present, and I am yielded to him. Listen, I want you to Knowing God is present is just, even as I say this right now, you might cringe. You might just be like, I, I just, I just, I can't, I can't do this. I, I can't just, I, I, whoa, wait a minute, time out. The only reason why I keep coming and going and giving and serving is because I think this is going to change. That's actually what's been keeping me in the game. Right, let's just put it on the table right now, Dave. That's what keeps me going is thinking that this is going to change someday. So don't you tell me No. And I'm telling you, God's answer is yes, but not your yes. And God's answer is my grace is sufficient. And, my, and God's answer is because that's where my presence is. My presence is in that answer and you surrendering to that because what I have for you is so far beyond what you think you want and need. Listen to this. And people say, well, then where is God? And, and could he be present? Know this today. His strength in your weakness is his presence in your life. That, that's his presence. He is being strong when you surrender to him. And he is strong in your weakness. You will know the presence of God like you have never known it. I promise you this. I've experienced this. This is what is a huge fuel to my faith. It's how I've grown every single time. When I've had these what I call major shifts in my faith. Where it's more of God and less of me. Paul goes on in verse 10 to say, Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power rests on me. Yes, give me some more weaknesses, God. I, I'm not lining up. I get it. Okay. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecution, in difficulties. Come on, Paul. You're crazy, man. You're just, yeah, you're poor. You're the, that's great. Who would say that? I mean, you know, maybe he's been bitten one too many times by a snake, right? <laughs> you know, shipwrecked, maybe tossed off one too many camels. But then he goes on to say this. He's just summering, he's just saying, hey, here, why, here's what I've learned. 20 years, giving it all, all in. Shipwrecked, beaten, stoned, near death, death. Here's what I've learned. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Here's what I've learned about this thorn in my place, flesh, this thing I've been praying for that I've pleaded, begged to God over and over to take it from me. When all is said and done, when I look at it wholeheartedly, sincerely, when I just get out of myself and stop talking to myself and talk to God, and I look at all that, what I've learned is for when I am weak, I am strong. This is when I was my best, my strongest, my most purest, when I was behaved in, most, in the most noble way. God leveraged my weakness to use his strength in my life. And if you've ever met people like this, they are crazy, mind-boggling, mind -boggling, comforting, right? I was so blessed that when I came up, and I want you to know that when you embrace this, when you adopt this, when you live this out, when you then experience it and can testify to it, it does something about you that is so encouraging to others. When I came into faith, when I was introduced to Christianity and I had people take them into their, into their homes, I was coming across people like this. And I'm like, shh, oh. <laughs> you know? Like, man, I don't want it. Even if it's 17, but, but so when I'm thinking, like, man, this is like somber, man. Like, this is not a good ending to a story. Or like, 
I would want to live like that. I tell you, I mean, and it kind of st stuck in me, like, don't ever do that. I don't want to be a pastor. I don't want to tell people about God. This is, that's just, I drew the line, man, right here, you know? Yes, I'm getting my journey up. Yes, I'm going to hang out here and there. No, I don't want that to happen in my life. We just put God right there. And I want to fall away. But I never forgot those people. Those are the people I called when I was going through crazy times at 21 and 23. Those are the people I would trust. Those are the people I would turn to. Those are the people that, in the midst of, the, of all the insanity and deplorable behavior and, and being lost and confused, and that's what I would tack back to, you know? Because that was real. That was true to me. I got that. And that's the God that I needed to know. That's knowing God in that way is what eventually had a massive change in my life, and it will for you as well. Listen, God might be telling you right now, I'm not going to change that right now in this season. I'm not going to heal that person. I'm not going to heal you. I'm not going to change that financial situation. I don't know if your spouse, I'm not going to, well, he knows, but I, I might not bring your spouse back right now. But in the meantime, God says, know this, my grace is sufficient for you. Remember, remember this, don't be confused. As it says in Philippians, present your request to God, meaning you have permission and you're encouraged to ask God to change things, to remove the thorns out of your life and out of your side, yes? It's not a lack of faith to ask God to help you. It's faith to ask him. But remember, God has the permission to say no. And remember, you want to be prepared to be surrendered to whatever that answer is, yes or no. I am surrendered to God. And that God now may choose to show his power on the stage of your weakness. Wow, huh? Some things might work out. Some things might not. Some healings might take place. They might not. And none of this is a reflection of how much God loves you or doesn't love you, nor is it evidence of if God is present or not present. In fact, it is actually is what? Now you, it's a greater sign of his presence in your life when he works through your weakness. It's God showing his strength through you, God glorifying himself through you, showing the world his greatness through you. Listen, and some of you, as I said before, you, you just struggle. You're kind of striving, trying to stay in there, like, you know, thinking this is going to change. And I'm telling you to get away from that thinking and to get into the place of surrendering and yielding to God, meaning nothing's changed, but everything has changed. God is sovereign. God is faithful. I'm not condemning anybody. I'm not judging anybody. I have been there. I have fallen short. I have not surrendered more than I have surrendered, but I'm telling you, when I have surrendered to his will in this way, it has changed, Dave. It's why I'm here today preaching this to you. God's grace is sufficient. It's life-changing. Don't strive. Surrender today to God. Not my will, but your will be done. Will you stand with me? Let's pray. Father, my God, my Lord, you know, Lord, let us come before you even this morning and say, God, help me. God, you know my heart. You know what I can do, what I can't do. Will you heal me, oh God? Will you, will you change this circumstance, oh God? Will you work and make this affliction better in my life? Will you, will you help this relationship, oh God? Lord, will you bless me financially and bring me through this? God, just hear me. Here is my request. Help me, oh God. But Lord, 
Not my will, but your will be done. Every action, all my thoughts, my hopes, it's all in your will, O oh God. I rest in your hands. I have peace that is above all human understanding as I rest in the midst of the pain and the storm and the uncertainty. I rest in your hands, the hands of a loving and a living God, the powerful hands of a God who is, as I surrender to him, is working through my circumstances, my weaknesses, to do something magnificent in my life that would glorify him. And Lord, I love you and I thank you for this. I am trusting in you, O oh God, because your grace is sufficient for me. In my weakness right now, God, in my missed opportunities, in my failure, in, in my suffering, Lord, in my weakness, you are strong. You're going to be strong now, right now. You are strong, my God. And if you are in here today and you have not surrendered your life, you have not given your life, you have not turned to God, then this is the moment for you today, now. What a time, what a place to begin your journey with God, to turn to God and say, Lord, I give my life to you. I confess my sins, those things I've done that missed your mark, that, that went aside from your truth, oh God. But I turn to you. God, forgive me. God, I need you. God, I surrender to you, oh God, me and all my weaknesses. I give them to you, Lord. Have your way with me. Thank you for your son Jesus who gave his life on that cross so that I could be here right now talking to you in the position to know you, O oh God, to surrender to you, and my sins could be paid for. And I trust in that Jesus. It is that Jesus who is the center of my life, and I will follow that Jesus. God, give me the strength to do this. In Jesus' precious name, amen, amen.